Hey everyone, this is Kyle Wildner-Higney, your host for the Outcomes Rocket Pharma Podcast. In the Pharma Podcast, we dive into all the nuances of the pharmaceutical value chain. We will be highlighting and speaking with leaders across the entities that comprise the pharma value chain. Health plans, PBMs, manufacturers, wholesalers, pharmacies, innovative pharma tech companies, discussing the current trends and the opportunities in the value chain that they see today. My goal is to give you, the listener, the opportunity to hear from the individuals that are shaping the pharmaceutical value chain. And with that, I'm very excited to be sharing these conversations with industry leaders and especially excited for our first guest, the formidable Cronus Manolis, Chief Pharmacy Officer at University of Pittsburgh Medical Center Health Plan. Cronus oversees the pharmacies programs for the health plan's Medicare, medical assistance, and commercial products. He has more than 30 years of experience in the pharmacy and managed care industry. He previously held management positions with Medco Health Solutions, Statlander's Specialty Pharmacy Services, and Cronus is also an adjunct instructor at the University Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy. He is a thought leader, a natural innovator, and I'm very excited to have him as our first guest on the Outcomes Rocket Pharma podcast. So, Cronus, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Kyle. I'm happy to be here. Excited. Great. So, you know, maybe to kick things off, I would love if you could just tell me about yourself and specifically what drew you to working in the, the pharmaceutical industry. So, um, you know, I've been in the pharmaceutical industry, obviously, yeah, for over 30 years. And, you know, what kind of drew me there? was just, you know, I wanted to be in healthcare and I wanted to be in service. And uh, my father was in the restaurant business. Pretty amazing. I got to work side by side with him to see how that service industry can make a difference in people's lives. But I also was really, really interested in healthcare. And I had an uncle that owned the pharmacy and got to hang out there. And uh, it was amazing to see the relationship between the pharmacist and the patient. And, you know, back in those days, you know, probably still to some extent, patients looked at that pharmacist as just a, you know, maybe as a substitute, as their doc or uh, a proxy for their doc. And and so it really drew to me. And and so, you know, I went into healthcare. I went to the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy. I'm a native Pittsburgher my whole life. And really, that's kind of what drew me into a pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, that's so true. And you hear it a lot today that the pharmacist really acts as that key individual in the patient's life to help them coordinate some of their healthcare needs. Makes a lot of sense. And so, well, you know, what's interesting, I just add that um, I think COVID, you know, re-energized the spotlight on pharmacy. You think about during the lockdown, while procedures, you know, elective procedures, hospitals, a lot of that was shut down. Drugs and the importance of taking your drugs and even encouraged to make sure you have enough on hand in case you have to quarantine really put the pharmacy back in the spotlight. And then you add the vaccines on top of that. And I think you really start to gain an appreciation back again for that pharmacist. So, you know, really excited about that as well. Yeah. And would you say that's kind of the main driver of what excites you with your work today? Is that the primary goal of kind of... You know, I think certainly my early work, you know, I worked as a pharmacist on the south side of Pittsburgh, and it was one of those uh, neighborhoods where you really did, people really did seek you out. And so that uh, ability to help people one-on-one in that kind of a community was really enriching to me. But what I do today is really just help a whole lot more people at the population level, right? If you think about the type of drugs that we have today, 
the transformative nature of what our pipeline is. These are going to be cures. And how do you make sure that people can afford them? People have access to them, not only just patients, but providers as well. And so I get to kind of help, but I get to help on a much broader scale to make sure that our blocks of membership have access to these therapies and and really just make sure that the services we provide are always value added. And, you know, we kind of have the backs of our our members and our providers. That makes a lot of sense. And so switching to kind of UPMC health plan, what is it that UPMC does different than other plans, perhaps in the market and across the country? Well, I think managing pharmacy, managing a pharmacy benefit, uh, all of that. So the product of pharmacy will, you know, has had its traditional tools for a long time. And often those tools can be perceived as barriers, right? So mm-hmm. things like prior authorization or high copays or things like that. And look, I'm not going to say that they aren't necessary. They, they are because, you know, there's only one dollar. And yeah. how do we make sure that people have access to the highest value products, the highest clinical profile products? But what we're doing different at UPMC is we are really driving towards what I'll call value, access, and engagement. So everything we do, value is at the center of it because we want to make sure today's drugs are as important as ever. You know, I'll just take a quick second and talk about COVID again because it really shined the spotlight. So who was disproportionately affected by COVID? You know, communities, you know, low socioeconomic communities, diabetes, hypertension, cholesterol. And so those drugs, having access to those drugs and having more, you think about diabetes drugs today. We have some of the best diabetes drugs we've ever had, yet our outcomes And, you know, diabetes was probably the number one risk factor in a poor outcome in COVID. So what is it that we're not doing right there? So when I talk about access, how do we make sure that, you know, our members have access to the, the drugs that matter and then engagement, right? So first it's value, then it's access, but then it's engagement. So wrapping our pharmacists around those patients, those members, looking at it from a whole person perspective. So not just can you afford med, but med education. Do you understand the importance of it? You know, you may not feel any different at all, but it's really important that you continue to take it every day. Looking at whole person, making sure we're looking at the social determinants of health, looking at other barriers, all the things that, you know, I I think get in the way of med adherence. I mean, we, we like to blame cost. But there's lots of other factors. And I think that that's what we're really trying to do different because we think those other tools that I talked about, those are table stakes. But to be innovative and to get engagement, you really have to look at the patient, look at the member in in a whole person sort of way. I love that. I always enjoy a good framework and value access and engagement is certainly a nice pithy way to really articulate how UPMC is innovative. I really enjoy it. Yeah, and and, and, you know, I'll tell you, you know, we're 
pretty fortunate. The ecosystem that UPMC has is pretty amazing, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm part of a large health plan that has all of the products, everything from commercial to Medicare to exchanges to children's health to special needs plans. But then we've got a health system, right? We've yep. got 40 some plus hospitals and a whole provider network that I have access to. And then outside of that, we have an academic medical center attached to us, you know, the University of Pittsburgh Medical School and School of Sciences. It's quite an ecosystem. So I'm yep. very fortunate. You know, I, I'm living in, in an ecosystem that allows me to innovate. So we have that advantage. Our pharmacy area here, uh, we created a center for value-based pharmacy initiatives back in 2017. And, you know, that center helps us with research, with decision support that actually takes pharmacy benefit management up a notch from a value and from an innovation perspective. So again, very fortunate at UPMC to be able to be a part of this community, to be a part of this ecosystem. And now it's about really how do we engage and how do we allow access and value? Yeah. And so looking forward, not just where you are, but in the future, kind of what excites you most about where the pharma value chain is today? Well, I can tell you first and foremost, it is two things, right? One is this transformative drug pipeline. We are going to see cures. We're going to have drugs that are going to change people's lives. You know, providers, physicians, specialists are going to want access to these tools. And of course, patients, our members will want access. It's really exciting to think about drugs for hemophilia. I mean, just look at the COVID vaccine. You know, where would we mm-hmm. be without that innovation, right? But, you know, that innovation is going to come with a price tag. And we have this enormous responsibility for all of our clients, all of our stakeholders to make sure that we do the due diligence and make sure access to those drugs makes sense, make sure that they're affordable, they're accessible, that they're safe. And so I think tomorrow's brand of pharmacy is going to be much different than today's brand. I'll tell you an interesting story. The five biggest drug categories in the world in the early 2000s were SSRIs for depression, ACEs for blood pressure, statins for cholesterol, non-sedating antihistamines for allergies, and PPIs for gastric ulcer disease. If you think about just, they, they were the number there were the five biggest drug categories at a time when our pharmacy costs were through the roof. And if you wow. look at those classes today, we give them away. They're all generic. They're all still very effective, but we give them away. So if you look at what's driving today's pharmacy costs, I think 20 years from now, we'll look back and we'll say, wow, because we didn't have any specialty drugs in the yeah. early 2000s. And now half of our cost is being driven by one to 2% of our membership on high cost specialty drugs that are, you know, for rare and chronic disease and they are life changing and life sustaining. Yeah. Well, 20 years from now, we're going to have cures. We're going to have technology that we've never dreamt about. And so how do we position our pharmacy management strategy to make sure that people have access to them and that we're able to afford it? Because we're not going to have what we have today with COVID where the government is funding right. you know, vaccines. It's a pandemic. It's, a, it's an emergency authorization period. Not going to have that. And so that's really the exciting but very intimidating kind of thought. 
about what the future is. But I look at tools where we're engaging members. I look at technology. We've got a partner in Sempre Health that uses texting to give people refill reminders and then to help them for their drug. We have digital therapeutics that are just on the cutting edge where patients can actually track their insulin dosing. We've got technology that does continuous glucose monitoring, and patients are now so educated about what triggers are that drives their spikes in blood sugar. How do we just take all that burgeoning technology, which, you know, again, you couple that with a population of young folks that grew up with this, and it's not going to be an option. They're going to want it. Look at the wearables that we're having today that that are just, you know, how many people look at their iPhone and see how many steps they use because it's built in. So it's just really exciting to think about, can we leverage these technologies in a way, again, that's affordable, but also where patients and members want to use them. So I don't, I don't have to, right? How do you get engagement? And I keep using that word, but I think we're going to grow so much smarter about what drives our diseases. And it's going to be aided by technology and digital therapeutics. And it's going to be, going to be treated by drugs that are going to be truly innovative, personalized. And, you know, it's just so different than where we are today from where we came from. And I think that that's what really excites me about the future. And so these new transformative and curative drugs in the pipeline, how will UPMC have to adjust to be able to support those high cost prescriptions and ensure that their members get access to those? Well, I mean, that could be a whole separate uh, podcast, <laughs> but, but let, me try to, let me try to sum it up fairly quickly, right? So pharmacy, and this may be a little bit more detailed than our audience wants, but I think it's important. Pharmacy, unlike medical, think about that pharmacist that I talked about myself, right? All those years ago, how I got paid was on drug margin, right? So if I buy drugs at a good price and I get paid at a decent price, that's what keeps the lights on and pays the pharmacist salaries. If you look at what's happening on the medical side of the equation, there's been more value-based reimbursement, right? There's more pay for value instead of pay for widget. And we've been really working hard at UPMC, and I'm fortunate, again, to have leadership that supports me on this, is how do we transform pharmacy from pay for widget to pay for value? I talked about those pharmacists again. The reason why pharmacists went into a dark place as a profession is it because you know, payers and everybody else in the supply chain made them fill more and more and more prescriptions to be able to make the same amount of money. And we ignored a clinical stakeholder because they were heads down in the back of the pharmacy, just cranking out more volume. So how do we get away from pay for volume and to pay for value? And I think that's what we're really excited about. We're starting to do lots of those kind of pilots with our retail partners. And so if you if you can get pharmacy to kind of shift a little bit and go towards pay for value, and then we can partner with industry to do more value-based contracts. Let's face it, these cures, we already have one. We have a drug that's a $2 million drug for SMA. The data we have on that probably spans a couple of years. So it's priced like a a lifetime cure, but we don't have any data more than a few years. The science tells you that if you replace the gene or you repair the gene, you should have a lifetime of cure. But we don't know that. So essentially, at the end of the day, Kyle, what we need to do is we need payment reform 
right. for transformative therapies. We need warranty contracts that basically say, look, if the drug fails 10 years out, we're entitled to this. If it fails 15 years out, we're entitled to that. And if you get 15 years, we'll call it a day. We don't have anything like that today. <laughs> we also need value pricing. Today, pricing is based on what the market will bear. Tomorrow, we need pricing that's based on what it took, the need, all of those kinds of things. And, you know, at the end of the day, we also need to look at the supply chain and the site of care. And so much today in in our supply chain is built on $1,000 drugs, not $500,000 drugs. So how do we right-size the supply chain so there isn't someone that's making way too much because of their, you know, they're leveraging a drug that is super expensive. No, that makes sense. And then you know, when you're thinking about, that's kind of more what we just discussed was kind of future looking, but even today, like what is top of your mind around the biggest challenges that you're working on right now from your perspective? I think, look, specialty drug gets all the headlines, right? But if you think about it, we have an aging population. We're living longer. We do not want to be in nursing homes. And so everybody is incented to kind of keep people at home. Yep. There are lots of data that they're better off at home. But these patients, a huge amount of these members, they take greater than eight to 10 meds every month, unique. Yep. And they're often uncoordinated. So they have multiple specialists and sometimes multiple pharmacies. And so we, you know, at UPMC, we started what we call high touch pharmacy services. And it's specifically built for these kinds of members where we package them up. So we have the, you know, the whole breakfast, lunch, and dinner pouches. So it's really, we know that when you organize your meds and you sync your meds, so as much as you can, all the refills happen at the same time. And then you organize them for people and then you surround them with a, what I call a micromanagement pharmacy perspective. A pharmacist calls every month and just says, hey, are you still taking your meds? Are you okay? Have you fallen? Have you gone out of the house? You know, do you have food, right? Do you have heat? If we can do that service, we know for our most medically vulnerable and highest risk people, we will make a difference in outcomes, in member satisfaction, et cetera. So that's just a microcosm, right? That's when you you think about one of the biggest challenges, we've got that population. Yep. We've got, a, you know, the specialty drug population. So how do we, it all to me, it all goes back to engagement. Yeah. How do we get closer to our, our members, use technology in a way that supports it and plug them into the right service model? You know, yeah. we know when we attract younger Medicare Advantage members, they're generally healthy. And, you know, for them, gym memberships and other things are really what matter. But we've got a whole different set of patients across that continuum. And really, it's around engagement and access and value. So I keep going back to that. But really, I think that that's it. And it's unique, too, to the patient population that you're serving, right? So a one-size-fits-all approach just doesn't work in healthcare like we see across pharmacy and also healthcare services. There is no substitute. When pharmacists get engaged and take an interest in patients beyond drugs, just is no, you know, bring it full circle, Kyle. When I was, one of the things that made me so successful in my first retail jobs and why 
I enjoyed it so much. It wasn't that I was so successful. I just enjoyed my job was because you got to know your patient and you got to know them on multiple levels and you could understand what was going on with them and you could help them. I don't think it's much different 20, 30 years later. (laughs) We're asking people to engage, get to know people better, take an interest because often, you know, their docs are super busy. They may not get the time. And so we know this recent drugs are a strong connection and pharmacists should be as well. So I'm excited about just bringing that all back from my perch as a payer. I have a responsibility to try to make that happen. And so, you know, typically providers, whether they're pharmacists, et cetera, may have an adversarial relationship, but we want a partnership relationship because we know that stakeholder, we've ignored them for too long. And I I think they provide too much value. Yeah, it's this alignment, right? It's everyone working together to support the patient and doing what's best for themselves and also the larger, you know, healthcare ecosystem. It's the care continuum, right? And make it seamless and Everybody has incentives and everybody has a stake in the in the game, right? Yeah. Well, Cronus, maybe to wrap things up, if you give us a closing thought and the best place for listeners to collaborate with you. Well, certainly it is enormously exciting how pharmacy is going to change and how quality of life, aging, all of those things are going to be, I believe, materially different going forward. And from my perspective, we've got to make sure that we take a value-centered approach to make sure people have access to these treatments and uh, we we don't break the bank. So, you know, I think that that is the, the exciting and the daunting challenge. We're certainly up for it. And we think we've got the right infrastructure here at UPMC to be able to tackle that challenge. So look forward to coming back again if you want to yes. dig deeper into any one of these topics. But again, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Cronus, for joining us today. And it was a great conversation like always. All right. Take care.